Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, January 28th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Today, the U.S. lifts sanctions on the businesses once controlled by Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska. Beijing's envoy to the EU accuses the countries of discrimination against Huawei. And Venezuelan opposition leader Juan Guaido urges Theresa May not to send money to President Nicolas Maduro. Plus, the FT's Laura Patel on how Turkey is essentially allowing people to buy citizenship in an attempt to right the economy. I'm Eric Krupke, and here's the news you need to start your day. The U.S. has lifted sanctions on Rizal and N+, two companies vital to the world aluminum market. They're also two companies once controlled by Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska. Now the companies are free from trading restrictions. The two companies were sanctioned last April because of Deripaska's alleged ties to Russian meddling in the 2016 U.S. election. The Trump administration wanted to lift the sanctions despite opposition from Democratic lawmakers. The agreement means Mr. Deripaska will see his direct ownership of shares in both companies fall below 50 percent. He'll still hold voting rights over 35 percent of the company's shares. Mr. Deripaska also remains under sanctions himself. He won't be able to access dividend payments related to the businesses. Supporters of the deal argue that it meets the initial aim of the sanctions, while also avoiding disruption to the global supply chains of aluminum markets. Beijing's envoy to the U.S. has launched a blistering attack on the, quote, slander and discrimination, unquote, faced by Huawei and other Chinese companies in Europe. The envoy warned that efforts to exclude China from 5G mobile projects would be self-defeating. In past months, the U.S. has warned Europe that using Huawei's technology to build its 5G network could present security risks. The technology could become deeply embedded in societies. It would be used for things from road and rail management to controlling household devices. Ambassador Zhang Ming warned that the exclusion of Huawei technology could have serious consequences for global economic and scientific cooperation. The senior diplomat's remarks highlight the growing tensions between Europe and China. And Venezuelan opposition leader Juan Guaido has written to Prime Minister Theresa May and Bank of England Governor Mark Carney. Mr. Guaido is urging them not to send $1.2 billion from any sale of Venezuelan gold reserves to the regime of President Nicolas Maduro, which he calls illegitimate. Last week, Mr. Guaido declared himself president of Venezuela. He said Mr. Maduro's election was illegitimate. The U.S. and a dozen other countries agreed and announced their backing for Mr. Guaido. Mr. Guaido told Mrs. May that any transaction would be fraudulent and the money would be used to repress the Venezuelan people. The Maduro regime is strapped for cash and has been trying to get its hands on the gold for months. Until late last year, there were about 14 tons in the bank's vaults, worth about $550 million. But a week ago, Reuters said the figure had jumped to 31 tons after Venezuela closed out a gold swap deal with Deutsche Bank. The UK and other EU countries have been trying to cut off funding to Mr. Maduro. Mr. Guaido also appealed to the military on Sunday. He warned them to abandon Maduro. On Saturday, Venezuela's top military envoy to Washington switched allegiances to support Mr. Guaido. Mr. Guaido is calling for new street protests by Venezuelans this week. And here's a closer look at a story we're following. Turkey suffered a currency crisis uh, last year in August. Laura Patel is the Turkey correspondent for the FT. 
it was kind of triggered by a row that Turkey had with Donald Trump, but it, it, it sort of ignited all these underlying fears that existed about imbalances in the economy, like high inflation and a, a wide current account deficit. So what happened was the lira crashed to a series of record lows against the dollar. And that has created all kinds of problems and knock-on effects for Turkey. The currency is much stabler now, but lots of businesses had a lot of foreign debt, which is much harder to pay off for them now that the lira is much weaker against the dollar, even though it's stabilized. And the, the economy is now going into a recession. And so to try to boost the economy, Turkey is actually allowing people to, in effect, buy citizenship. How does that work? Yeah, so this is something that Turkey introduced in 2017, just six months after the country suffered an attempted coup, which was a very traumatic experience for the country and also caused economic problems. And then in September last year, uh, the government announced that it was slashing the requirements to qualify for citizenship. And they did that just after this currency crisis. You used to have to pay $3 million to obtain citizenship through fixed capital investment or putting money in the bank account. And you had to pay a million dollars to get a passport through buying property. And both of those limits have been cut, the former to $500,000. And it's $250,000 to get citizenship through buying property. Wow. And is Turkey the only country to have a program like this? It's not the only country. It's been a growing trend in recent years. I mean, it started off as a concept kind of in a couple of Caribbean islands and then kind of spread from there. And really interestingly, like a lot of European countries took up the idea in the wake of the global financial crisis of 2008. So they were also kind of responding to economic problems. And Turkey seems to be doing the same thing. And I think it's no coincidence that the cheapest option here is the real estate option, because the construction sector is really important to the Turkish economy. It's been like an engine of growth here, and it's been really badly hit by the currency slide. Real estate companies are really struggling. And so actually, it's quite an appealing option to buy citizenship in Turkey for $250,000 for people, particularly from the Middle East. I spoke to a guy from Yemen and a woman from Libya, both of whom felt that they had weak passports and they like Turkey. It's very interesting because this is a time when there's a lot of political tensions at home in Turkey. Quite a lot of Turks are leaving to go to Europe or North America. But at the same time, we have people kind of coming in the other direction, people who see Turkey as relatively stable compared to other places in the region and offering prospects for them and their families. These programs are often referred to as golden passport programs, but they do have some critics. What do critics of these programs say? There's various criticisms. I mean, in the EU, it's been very controversial because, you know, the EU is a, an exclusive club and the idea that you can buy your way into it just because you have a lot of money and not only gain access to, say, to live in Malta or Portugal or Spain or the UK, but to all 28 EU member states, that's pretty controversial. And another criticism is that it facilitates criminality and money laundering and fraud. You know, most countries say that they check where the money comes from, and Turkey says the same thing. But I've heard criticisms both here and other countries that the checks aren't good enough and that it's something that kind of facilitates criminals to move around the world or well, yeah, to launder their money. How is this actually working out for Turkey? Are they getting more applications than usual? So we don't have much in the way of official statistics. The government said like, just right after it launched, five weeks after it launched, that 200 people had applied. But anecdotally, I interviewed a lot of agents and I went down to the office uh, that was established to run this scheme. And everybody said that there had been a lot of interest. I met one guy who was putting in 20 applications a week for people. I mean, I think the numbers probably aren't in the thousands and thousands, but it's enough that it's significant, I think. Clearly, there are people to whom this idea appeals. 
You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be following the kickoff of another big week in earnings, starting today with U.S. industrial equipment company Caterpillar. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for all the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.